0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Priest, Brother, and You, where we talk about your deepest questions from life on campus. My name is Father Jake, joined by fellow co-host, Brother Matthew, and a student, Evan Markel from the University of Minnesota. So we're so glad you're joining us today. Thanks for having me.
1: Brother Matthew here.
2: Yeah, really good to have you, Evan. Evan is a senior studying mathematics education. Evan, you've been very involved in the campus ministry here for a while now. What was it that that made you decide? I want to be. I want to make this campus ministry a major part of my life.
1: Wow, it's a really good question. Um, I think that one of the biggest things that attracted me to the community was just the freedom in which people lived. I, I I just saw a lot of people who were really themselves, and so you get a lot of distinct people. You know, you don't really just have one kind of person and. And you know, I, I have a lot of my own personality quirks and <laughs> quips, and I, I just felt like I really belonged uh, with the pe- people who would who would accept me. You know, these are people who are secure in their identity and in, in knowing that they're a son or daughter of of the Lord, and so uh, that that was really attractive to me. Yeah, there's just a lot of natural joy when you have people who are free to be themselves.
2: Yeah, so many of us have benefited from that very thing of being set free in the midst of a community of people who are themselves being set free. So Evan, what are we talking about today?
1: Well, I have a lot of questions in my mind (laughs) at all times, but one that I'd really like to just start with is, what does it mean when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow after me? Uh, I guess maybe specifically, what is is that cross and what does it mean to follow Jesus while we pick it up?
0: Has this been something that you've been thinking about for a while, just hit you in prayer or is it something about the house and the brothers in the house have been talking about or how did that come about?
1: Yeah, both, <laughs> all of the above. Um, <laughs> I, I'd say this has been a question on my mind actually for years. Um, uh, ever since I remember my older brother, Jacob, he was my confirmation sponsor and he was just giving me some advice on dealing with suffering. And he said, offer it up <laughs> in sort of a, a generic way. And uh, I, I've always just wondered, what does that mean? What? does what, what actually happens when I offer something up what do I offer up you know to who you know how who receives that um and and so that's always been a question but I think specifically now in the time of Lent you know i'm I'm trying to do that as a Christian um and I, I would love to just hear your thoughts on on what that looks like but particularly yeah a couple of weeks ago it, it came up in prayer just uh, that the Lord wanted me to to dig into this a little bit to lean into it mm. so I want to be faithful to that
0: yeah. Yeah, it's a, a great question. And so it kind of gets at a couple parts, um, which sometimes there can be a confusion between the relationship uh between suffering and the cross. And sometimes they're almost equated, like, Oh, pick up your suffering. Um, so the cross, yeah, what is that in relation to uh this passage where Jesus talks about this? I believe it's in all three synoptic gospels. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and come after me, or come follow me. So when it comes to um, even just that phrase, or that line from the Lord, which is something you frequently said, so it was something important to the Lord to say it many times. Uh, There is an engagement with the will first. So it's something in the faculty of the will, like denial, or taking up. It's a verb. Um, So something with the person's will, that's what we're talking about. Not just with stuff that happens to, but stuff that you are, it seems, exercising your will. So that'd be the first thing. Um, When it comes to the cross itself, um, the cross for the Lord, you can come at it in many different ways, like angles. What is it theologically, et cetera. But I think in this instance, the cross is the instrument of salvation. And what it means is it's the fullest expression of self-gift. So the cross is the means by which I am giving of myself. For the for the Lord, when he died on the cross, it was the most perfect expression of pouring everything out. He, he didn't live for himself. So it's kind of what the Lord is getting at, I believe, when he says deny yourself uh, in terms of your... <laughs> We say in some language the, the fat relentless ego that part of me that always just wants to live for me so it's like denial of your fat relentless ego and take up the, in your will this expression of giving of yourself the cross also in the christian life could be and, and is at a deeper level even the costs associated with following christ or saying yes to following the gospel message So for example, um, in the Beatitudes uh, where Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. If someone is being persecuted for the cause of Christ, that would be a very particular participation in the Lord's cross. It's a cost associated with saying yes to the Lord. So I don't know if that's kind of making sense of a couple of different points there. It's kind of in the faculty of the will. So suffering is a little bit different. It's more broad, you know, because you can suffer and it's not a participation in the Lord's cross. <laughs> People experience pain. and That doesn't necessarily mean just because you experience pain, oh, I'm, I'm suffering for God. Well, it can be, but not necessarily. Um, so it's distinctly Christian to take up one's cross and to say, I actually want, I, I choose to receive this and take it up. Because in a way, I'm losing part of my ego and I'm pouring myself out. I'm accepting the cost associated with saying I'm making the Lord the Lord of my life. Brother Matthew, thoughts over there?
2: Yeah, at least for myself, I think that's very helpful. I think we can, one way of distinguishing crosses from suffering is is to simply understand that there are crosses that we're supposed to take up. And crosses that we're not supposed to, so crosses that we're supposed to take up, being faithful to our commitments, for example, caring for a a sick sibling, uh, also accepting sufferings that we we can't avoid, we've asked the Lord to take them away, and for whatever reason He hasn't. there can be many examples of this, but then there's also crosses that the Lord does not want us to have and and here by crosses, I simply mean, therefore, suffering, so this is suffering that comes from sin, so that the feeling of shame that that comes after a night of partying or whatever well that's not a cross that the Lord wants us to bear. He wants us to be free of that but the suffering that comes that can come from others, so if you're in a abusive relationship, the Lord actually wants you to get out of that relationship, not just to endure that kind of suffering, but I think a big one. That that is present to almost all of us is the suffering that comes from insecurity, a lack of confidence, confusion about our identity. The Lord wants to give us real security in himself, and he wants to heal us very deeply when it comes to our self-understanding. So therefore, we just want to be very careful about calling something a cross, it simply could be something that the Lord doesn't want us to carry, so we really want to discern, discern carefully the crosses that we that we pick up. Now, there are, as Father Jake mentioned, though there there is also the cross in the sense of something to come, meaning the cost of discipleship. I'm going to pick up my cross in the sense that I will put my hand to the plow and not look back. Whatever persecutions come, whatever difficulties come, I'm still going to follow Jesus. There's also picking up the cross in that sense.
0: Yeah, there are so many different angles on this, but it does seem like in, the, in that passage, certainly in Luke Luke chapter nine, that uh, yeah, it's the cross that's associated with his path to Jerusalem of giving himself, and people were following the Lord, and as they were following him, there were particular things that were coming up that would inevitably be uh, particularly difficult for them to continue to say yes. So in the in the pursuit of that end of following the Lord. So people would say, Lord, let me come follow after you. But first, let me go say goodbye to my, you know, these people. And so at the, cro- the cross, for that person, the Lord saying, "Ah, no, just come after me, o- obey. And this was his, that person's particular cross which was a relational denial of things that are good, but in pursuit of the Lord, everything is secondary uh, of making the Lord the Lord of one's life. So it seems like in the passage that's, that you're quoting uh, in many of the Gospels, it's in close association with discipleship. But then as Brother Matthew is yeah, closely saying and well saying, um, yeah, there's there's a real discernment that happens just in the normal everyday life of the things that are coming to me. Some things are not a participation in the Lord's cross for me. And some things are, but that does definitely have to be discerned.
1: I think if I could ask a follow-up question there, just based off of what you both are saying, it, it sounds to me like to pick up my cross, it's a very relational thing. I I don't do this in a vacuum uh you know by myself pick up a cross for myself so so I imagine I guess this is just the way I'm thinking about this is is that there's there's it seems like a way of loving God by picking up my cross rather than you know I I can imagine a lot of people maybe even hearing this and thinking okay so I'm just I'm just supposed to obey and just do this this is just like this is the burden of life I just pick up a cross like what a what an awful mm. <laughs> you know, trajectory. Um, but I I also, I know it's not just that simple. I actually, mm. I know many saints have been testaments to, to how this can be lived out very joyfully. And I imagine that that, that has to do with uh, their love of God and wanting to obey him. I, that's just my, that's what I'm picking up as I'm hearing you guys talk.
0: Yeah. Yep. So every vocation, by definition a, tr- a true Christian vocation will be giving of oneself uh priesthood the lay state marriage state uh it's a, a real vocation is the giving of oneself and there will be particular things associated with that vocation that will be particularly difficult and so every vocation has particular alignments or associations with the lord's own cross, so like John of the cross, for example, there are many saints that have you know, the cross associated with them, that particular cross is in their own way of life uh, that the Lord allowed them to experience and even invited them to experience, to have intimacy with God. This is part of the mystery of the cross. There is no intimacy with God without the cross. Uh, there's a Latin phrase, I believe it's from St. Ambrose, it says, per cucum ad lucem," or through the cross to the light. In other words, there is no day of resurrection or Easter Sunday without Good Friday. So if you want and desire intimacy and communion with God in a way of life that is full of the love of God, there is no shortcut <laughs> or detour around the cross. It must be faced. And so this is where uh, even St. Paul would say, may I boast in nothing else but the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ by which I am crucified to the world. Again, hearing that language of no to the fat, relentless ego that just wants it my way. I must have a comfortable life. I must live for myself. And if I have time, other people. (laughs) Um, Crucified to the world um, is, is part of the cross. Just by way of a helpful image, one time a priest said, if you want to find just a real easy way to understand the cross, he's like, let's make the sign of the cross. So let's just make it together. Father, Son, he's like, stop. Right there, you just made an I. Now finish it. Son, Holy Spirit, you're crossing out your I. I was like, I will never forget this. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't. <laughs> um, it's just an easy way to recognize like the Lord lived completely selflessly. And therein is our salvation we're participating in his perfect act of love of giving of himself and so it's hard (laughs) the cross can be downright hard why because we have something that almost rebels against suffering for the sake of something truly good Um, in a similar way that you know even just are you in the military yeah yeah, I'm in the army. <laughs> you're in the army. So I mean like my goodness, like there's a lot of sacrifices you're making. I mean, not the least of which just being like physical, you know, PT. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my goodness, like to pursue this end, you gotta live excellently. And there's like this groaning in your body to live that, you know? So in an earthly sense, there's a, a sacrificial dimension to living this excellently or well. To live in the power of God, there is no shortcut around this self-sacrificial dimension, which is the cross. And, um, and yet, the Lord invites us to, again, exercise our will in taking it up, as opposed to dragging it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe I have this cross, you know. Um, so taking it up actually means, like, I actually can live this in God with a joy as odd as that sounds the and the saints began to live this mystery of living the cross the difficulty the challenge of living in the power of god and yet with a certain deep and abiding peace that takes that takes time and holiness so
2: evan if you're anything like me and i think most people listening to this we typically say to ourselves well I want to be a Christian, but I don't want any of this cross business. So we just need this constant reminder, which Father Jake is giving us today, is that the the cross is not an extra part of discipleship. It's an essential part of discipleship. And there's no way to follow Jesus without the cross. I think many people experience this when it comes to vocation of oh I don't I don't want the cross of being a priest so I'm going to choose I'm going to choose an e- easier road in fact it's the case that there is no other road except the cross in the sense that the cross sanctifies and we can't be sanctified without it now at the same time as you as you mentioned Evan we don't carry the cross alone we carry it with others of course but we also carry it with Jesus himself and, and in a very beautiful way the the church's remembrance of the stations of the cross reminds us that Jesus is carrying the cross with us. And when we sense that, then the cross becomes it doesn't go away, but it becomes easier to bear. He says Jesus says take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek and humble of heart and you will find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can even imagine ourselves in some way yoked to Jesus, so under the same kind of mechanism where we're carrying a shared load. And when we share it with him, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. On the other hand, if we take it by ourselves, it can be a very heavy burden.
1: Yeah, I think my experience as a Christian trying to do this, you know, as best as I can, uh, it, it's become pretty clear to me pretty quickly that if I try to do it by myself, I, I just will simply fail. <laughs> I, I just can't handle too much uh, by myself. If I could just ask a bit more about what it means to follow Jesus in that. Um, and and how my relationship with Jesus actually looks when I, when I'm sharing a yoke with him. You know, so is that conceptually, am I sharing a yoke with him? I just picture myself with him and, and that's a very, very good thought. And then that's, that's where the, the comfort ends or, um, you know, will he actually come in, in person and put a yoke on his shoulders, my shoulders, and we'll do this together. I, I what does that, what does that really look like? Um, I guess that would be my next question.
0: I think it's even Uh, illuminative when you said a moment ago I know what happens when I try to do it on my own so that is very um, I think helpful to kind of look at your own experience what does that even mean and what makes it hard when I do it on my own so already I think you're living something and we can actually learn a great deal from our experience when looking at it Um, so in the Lord um, this is kind of the difference between thinking and praying Thinking is just, it's our own thoughts. We're by ourselves just mulling over things. (laughs) Uh, But praying is like, almost like the hatch of our mind has opened to the other. And this is kind of getting at the mystery of doing something with the Lord, as opposed to just doing it by myself. I'm inviting him into it. And this can happen in a, a great variety of ways, you know, actually just saying out loud and explicitly, Lord, I invite you into this. I this is too heavy for me to carry. Right there would be a great example of a living faith. I know that the Lord can actually give me grace. Grace is power. Uh, grace is intimacy with God. Grace is the gift of God. It's like it's his strength. Um, so this is kind of what we can get at with following Jesus. It's, it's, it's not just thinking on our own. It's inviting the Lord. Into the particulars of my life, especially the experience of the cross, <laughs> and so again, like we've been talking about, a, a relational dimension to this I'm walking by faith, which by definition means I do not walk alone. I know this, even if I can't see or smell <laughs> this first century man called Jesus of Nazareth, um, he's beyond my senses, uh but faith is. The acknowledgement of the Lord is who he says he is, and he is present and gives strength.
2: So are you wondering, Evan, if, for example, while you are offering up some cross, that Jesus at the right hand of the Father is doing the same activity you are, offering up that same cross?
1: Is that what you're wondering? I think I would say that that's not the case. Um, But I guess... In general, I I would wonder sort of along the lines of what Father Jake is describing here, yeah. To to what to what extent is Jesus present to my own suffering? Um, you know, so is it in my supplication, in my asking for his help, and and his um, and his response by by being there for me and giving me what I need to to move on? Is that is that to the extent that I relate to him or or is i i feel like there's even more i feel like he he takes it on himself in some way um but it's a it's a vague idea in my mind of, of how that works so if he's standing at the right hand of the father
2: but not doing the activity you're doing how in what sense is he taking on your
0: suffering right Yeah, I think about even just using earthly examples. You know, we can find out a lot about God just from looking at earthly, natural examples. So, as you know, as parents, they would say one of the most difficult things ever is when their children suffer, especially when they can't alleviate it. Um, And it's almost a physio. It's it's beyond the physiological, uh, but it's very real when they see their children either enjoy. They actually feel it, or in pain, and they definitely feel that. Even if they're not physiologically in the body of their children, they they have this connection, uh, especially uh, biological fathers and mothers have this almost like this deep, a th- connection even that goes beyond science, um, that uh, they almost feel the same pain if their child, for example, has cancer. Oh, my goodness. So, when the Lord sees us, he's not this outsider looking in and kind of feeling compassion, like, "Oh, I can kind of put myself in Evan's state right now." No, it goes far beyond even the natural state of an earthly father or mother to their children, uh, because he has he is the maker in an absolute sense, not just a father in an earthly sense. so uh there is a communion with God even just in our person, being in the image of God, um, that he is profoundly with us. St. Augustine had this great quote where he he said, God is closer to me than even I am to myself. And he said this was what impacted him to start praying, even whispering. He's like, I never have to shout anymore because God hears even my most subtle whispers. He's even closer to me than I am to myself. And so especially with a Christian undertaking or experiencing the cross, Jesus is living it in me and with me.
2: So Father Jake's answer here is not a cop-out. He is using an analogy about a parent's love for their children. But we have to use analogies, as humans. We have to use analogies to reason up to what's actually happening with God. But then we have to say, well, where's the analogy limited? It's that my parents, my father and mother, only share in a limited, a limited extent of of their their knowledge of what's happening in my life and their their empathy with me. But with God, it's full. It's complete. He understands fully. He sympathizes. Absolutely, completely. Hebrews chapter 4. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. So whenever we are in need, says Hebrews, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved kindness, and we will find help.
1: Just hearing you say that, Brother Matthew, it's such a comforting thing, even to to think about that the the extent to to the infinite nature of God. I I just don't even know, you know. But but to think that He knows me better than myself, that He His compassion leads Him to feel my suffering more than I feel it. Like you said, Father Jake, He's closer to me than I am. I think that I it's hard for me to say more than what I just said there because I I think that that just I'm sort of out of words when I, <laughs> when I think about that. Um, but I think I think one one reaction I guess I I have too is is that that's helpful to think about the the Lord just just knowing my my suffering so much and being there in a way that I'm that I'm not even you know he's closer to me than than I am, and and I think that that actually makes it helpful too for me to when I'm considering the struggle of discerning what's a What's a cross that I should take up? And what's something that I actually shouldn't tolerate, you know, or, or something that, that isn't to be taken up? And, and I think if I consider the Lord being closer to me than I am, then I, I think of, well, what, what would the Lord, what sort of suffering in my in, in my finite knowledge, what sort of suffering might the Lord take up within me? You know, I, I think that makes it really obvious. I shouldn't stand for a stranger punching me in the face, you know? <laughs> um, I, how How would the Lord... <laughs> handle that in me. You know, I I think that's that's a very helpful way of thinking about it. Well, yeah, so in in thinking about just this very thing, Jesus being with me in this. I would love to ask just just what does that mean exactly with me? What I I know that Jesus is with me when I receive him in the Eucharist. I know that Jesus was with the apostles when he when he called them to him physically and i also know that jesus is with me in the holy spirit and in the father um uh, as a as a baptized and confirmed catholic i know that he, he dwells within me um and and so i i would actually just ask if you guys could elaborate <laughs> on on what it to what extent is jesus with us when we suffer and and take up our cross
0: yeah i as, as you've been noticing, I use analogies quite often. So even just using the analogy, like there's different, we could say, modes of presence. So for example, uh, in an earthly analogous way, we could say that, so we're in person right here. Uh, this would be a very close uh, bodily personal presence. Uh, however, you also experience personal presences by talking to someone over the phone. It's the same person, but the mode of presence is a little different. It's It's one-dimensional, could we say. It's by voice, via technology. But the the person is present to you. Then we could say that there's also the presence of seeing a picture of a person. It reminds you of the person, especially a person you know, of course. Um, I mean, this is what got many soldiers through the war. They would have a picture of their wife in their wallet. And especially when they were experiencing suffering or trials or loneliness, they would look at the picture of their wife and there was a certain kind of a mode of presence. The picture elevated like the, the moment. So that'd be a certain kind of a presence, uh, even just living in the house of someone you know, um, that the person might not even be present, but they built the house. They have their particular stamp of their person on it, Their their pictures, their art. Like there's certainly a presence of a person in that way. So there's different modes of presence. And in the Catholic church, This would be in the realm of what we call metaphysics. And so, the the most intimate, full presence on earth that we have of being with Jesus is in the Blessed Sacrament, the Eucharist. That's why we use the little phrase body, blood, soul, and divinity. All those modes of presence are there in His body, His blood, His soul, and divinity in a sacramental modality. So kind of putting these elements together, we are made in the image and likeness of God. There's the stamp of God. It's like God built our person. Using that as an analogy of like the house, we have the image of God. God made us. But it's it's different than the Eucharist. It's still a presence of God, but a different mode of presence. The church would say that in the liturgy, God or Christ is present most especially in the Eucharist but also in the Word of God. Many saints, especially the mystics, have said that they've had an experience of praying with the Word of God, and it had a heartbeat, boom. <laughs> it's like, whoa, it's alive. <laughs> so there are different modes of presence. As Catholics, the most intimate moments of presence in Jesus is in the sacraments, most especially the Eucharist. But also in the Word of God, in the Christian community, Jesus says wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That'd be a a mode of presence.
2: I think it's really important that we remember here that although there are different modes of presence, all of them are real. It's not Mm -hmm. like some are fake Mm -hmm. and some are some are real. Now we do we do use when we refer to the Eucharist, we do say that that there is the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. There we're using real as almost a as a theological term. But what I mean is that even in the company where the three of us are gathered, Jesus is really present here. His presence is authentic and, and not just kind of in our imagination or, or in our wishful thinking. He's really present here. But not in the same not in the same way, not to the same degree that he is in the Eucharist. And that itself, not in the same way that Jesus is present before the Father. We will see him face to face. Yeah, the
0: saints also had, you know, as we grow in grace, so the presence of God grows in us. So you think about someone like Francis of Assisi. Like stuff happened (laughs) wherever he went. Because it was the real presence of God living in him. And it was growing in him such that he could even preach to animals that were tame when they were around him. Uh, People who would be filled with great anger when they came into the presence of Francis of Assisi, they just were disarmed of their anger. So, kind of getting at, as we grow in grace, God can actually increase in us. It's
1: a crazy thing because
0: Jesus makes the
1: condition of discipleship to take up the cross and follow him. So, I'd imagine as I try to take up my cross with him, that actually he would be more, yeah, more, more present, or at least I would, I would experience more of him. And as, as I, as I do that more, would that be accurate to say that, that as, as that life progresses, um,
0: that I, that I would get closer to him and, and that that would sort of unfold? I think so. I mean, you think about that gospel passage where the the two sons of thunder said, Lord, we want to sit in your right and your left, a very high place in heaven. (laughs) Um, And Jesus said, can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink, the chalice of suffering? And they said boldly and probably somewhat naively, we can. (laughs) Um, And he said, okay, Like, like he did not chastise their desire for greatness, that'd be magnanimity. But he said, that will come, that can only come through the cross. So for those who are willing to engage with the cross, intimacy, uh, greatness in the Lord is is there. Not willy-nilly, not chasing after crosses that are not ours, but, um, but that which is associated with drawing near to the heart of God will always necessitate the chalice.
2: We should probably conclude our time together here. Evan, I know in some sense we've been able to answer your questions but in another sense we should really acknowledge that we're dealing with a a great great mystery here and and we can give some suggestions as to what's going on but we, we could never dare to try to describe the mechanisms by which by which we are participating in Jesus suffering and yet we take it on the authority of Scripture, divine revelation that this is something very real that Jesus wants to carry the cross with us, and indeed does. And for example, when St. Paul says in Colossians that, in my flesh I am, I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. And we take that as a, as a kind of summary statement for what it means to, to suffer with Christ not alone but with the church, not alone but with Christ, not purposelessly but, but completing in some mysterious sense what
0: Jesus has done on the cross. Thanks everybody for joining us. Evan, great to have you. Great questions.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Peace.